Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to Birth Mothers Amplified. This is Emma here. And Mathani. And we have the lovely Megan on today. Hello, Megan. Thank you for joining us. Hi, how are you? Good. So today we'll be uh, speaking about navigating a relationship with adoptive parents by managing evolving expectations and what it's like to be a part of a semi-open adoption. And uh, Megan is the birth mother for six years. She loves arts and crafts. She's always working on some kind of a project for her uh, nieces. She also loves dance. She's been dancing since she was two and a half. Her mom was a dance teacher. She also has been a dance teacher. Um, Megan, thank you again for being here with us today. We are excited to learn about your story um, and for our listeners to hear um, everything that you have to say. So go ahead, jump on in. I'm excited too. Um, I placed back in 2014. Um, I got pregnant when I was 21. The birth father and I had been together um, for about six months before I got pregnant. Um, When I got pregnant, he kind of vanished out of the picture. Um, Didn't want anything to do with me or the baby at all. So of course, what do you do when you get pregnant? You call your mom. Um, so I called my mom, who was on her way back from Alaska. I got home and came to Oklahoma, which is where I was living at the time. I was living with my grandmother at the time. And we had a huge family meeting. And I mean, when I say family meeting, I mean family meeting, like at my grandmother's dining room table. <laughs> like both of my grandmas were there. My aunt was there. My brother and my sister-in-law were there. And it was kind of like, a, okay, what are we going to do? You can't, you cannot raise this baby on your own. You live with your grandmother. I was a waitress at the time. I barely made any money. So of course, in your mind, you go, I really can't raise this baby, but I I want to, but I Mm -hmm. know that I can't. This family meeting, was it a supportive, like village behind you type of meeting of we are in this together and we're going to figure it out? Or was it more of no, we're telling you what to do or it was more like uh you're not parenting and we're gonna figure out what else it is you're gonna do mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie both of my options were either adoption or abortion and mm-hmm. i had never met anyone or known anyone who had been adopted or gone through adoption or anything like that so it was probably like a week or two later when i flew down here Um, my mom took me to a clinic. Of course, we get out of the car and there's all these screaming people on the street, like always, and all the crazies, things like that. The doctor, sonogram person, whatever, comes in and he has to do whatever he's doing because, you know, they have to know how far along I am. And I tell him, I don't want to see the picture. I don't want to look at it. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to see any part of that. And he showed it to me anyways, put it right in front of my face. And, you know, it was like this little bitty bean of a thing and of course I leave there and of course you have to go in like this office with the nurse and they're talking about the you know the procedure that's gonna happen and things like that and and we got out of the clinic and I looked at my mom and said I cannot do that I can't do Mm. it I just mentally I would not be able to handle that I thought Mm. I could if I you know detached myself and I wasn't you know thinking about it or anything like that but like They've now shown me a picture and I now have this onogram in my hand, which I didn't want, which I know why they do that. You know, they're making you think 
about what you're doing and we obviously, so I know why they did it but I didn't want it and I fought it and yeah. at that point had you decided yes. I'm going to get an abortion or were you still trying to weigh your options um I was still weighing my options I'm thinking I'm gonna do this so let's yeah. go see like you know the clinic plan the procedure and things like that and then we'll see from there what we're gonna do but we, yeah. I got out of the car and I told my mom I cannot do this I can't I no. mentally cannot handle this so she, unknowingly to me, she had a friend in high school who had placed her daughter for adoption. So we met and had dinner with her and she made this shiny, beautiful picture of what adoption looks like. She placed her daughter when she was in high school and then became the nanny for them and got to see her all the time and was wow. part of her life and things like that. And so I said, okay, that's not, you know, such a bad thing. I think I could do that. I could, you know, handle that. Something that you just said made me realize once again, how important it is to share stories. It, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the, um, how, how common unplanned pregnancy is, how common infertility is, how common divorce, like yeah. all these topics that are heavy and hard that are really mm -hmm. common, but people don't really speak about. And so yeah. people don't really know their options. When, like you mm -hmm. said, you didn't, I'm sure you do know people who've had an abortion yeah, or sure. place their child, but you just didn't know. And not yep. that people are entitled to having that information about others, yeah. mm -hmm. but I do think there is some healthy amount of conversation. And I know we hope oh, yeah. the podcast does where whether or not someone chooses adoption, that they can at least know it is like, is an option and that it is yeah. feasible and what yeah. it can look like. Cause yeah. it sounds like that helped you get to the point of adoption is meeting this. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. that's, that's basically what helped me decide that adoption okay. was, was okay. So after having dinner with her friend, we went back home and started researching adoptions, adoption agencies within the area and things like that. Cause I was only here for a couple of days. So the, the agency I chose was the first one up on the screen. So I messaged them. It was like 1130 at night. They had this you know, thing you can text them. And I got a text message almost immediately. And I was thinking, what the heck? Don't you sleep? <laughs> this is, I was like, I thought this was like a business phone or something. Like, so I, I, I we sat and texted and talked for probably a half an hour. Um, and I told her I was only here until, you know, tomorrow I had a flight that I was leaving. If we can meet in the morning, I would, you know, meet. If not, I would have to come back. So I met with her the next morning and we spent two hours together. And I think the reason I chose where I chose is because the first hour or so we just spent talking about myself. And then we talked about, you know, what adoption looks like through their agency and things like that. And so plus they also had a dorm where I could stay while I was going through pregnancy and things like that, which is what I needed because I didn't have anywhere that I would be able to stay and my parents said I could not stay with them while going through that. Why was that? They had just moved here. My dad had just started a new job maybe like a year or so before me moving down here. They didn't really have the time to spend to, you know, take me to doctor's appointments if that's what I needed or help me if I was sick or whatever. They just didn't have the means to do okay. that. So it wasn't because so, they were against your choice of adoption. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. They, they just didn't have the means at the time that to, makes sense. You know, okay. to take care of me and you know, all this stuff that comes with adoption and things like that. 
plus I wanted to stay in the dorm anyways because I like being around a group of people who are going through the same thing I'm going through and and the dorm provided that there were a bunch of girls at the same you know in the same rooms going through the same thing I'm going through you know different stages but still going through the adoption process and things like that so it was really comforting yeah. to know that if I was having a hard day, I could reach out and find someone to help. I can totally resonate with that, Megan, because I yeah. also, the agency I placed through, they also had a, uh, a dorm program and I stayed yeah. in dorms the whole time. Um, and I get that. Like, it was so good to be around other women who yeah. we were having this shared experience, you know, that <laughs> I wouldn't have had if I was living it, it's just, on my it's own. Just, yeah, it's just comforting knowing that you could just walk out of your door and there are... Mm-hmm five other girls sitting in the living room going through the same thing you're going through. So Um, when did you start looking at profiles? I think I started looking at profiles. I think I was seven months, I think, which is when the agency that I was placing through lets you start looking at profiles because I wanted to look earlier. I was like, I know this is what I want to do. I know that I'm here for, you know, the long haul. Wait, so what, what, how far along were you when you had decided adoption and found this agency? Six weeks. Wow. So you were early too. You and Mathon. Yeah. Like wow. eight, like between eight weeks and six weeks. Cause I went to the clinic when I was eight weeks. So between, you know, six weeks and 10 weeks is probably when I decided that that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Wow. So, Same. Okay. But yeah, I, so I got profiles about seven months and I think I got like five. I had a criteria of like, they had to be married for longer than five years. They, had to have a child that they had already adopted. Um, you know, they both had to have college degrees, but I wanted a stay at home mom. I'm intrigued yeah. by the full the married for five years. I don't know. I, I just, I guess in my mind, I just thought if you've been married for five years that you're a little bit established yeah. in your marriage and bringing another baby into this marriage won't be so rocky. No, it totally they, makes sense. I just would have, I, that was something that yeah. I don't think crossed my mind. Five or more is what I wanted because I thought, well, if you oh, already God. have an adoptive child, you've already been together for a little while, been through infertility or whatever that is for you, figured out you can't have children, now you've adopted another one, so let's bring another one in. You can't, like five years seems like a long, like not a short amount of time to do that. Yeah. So did yeah. any of the five profiles you were given meet all that criteria? Um, no. (laughs) They met most of the criteria, but not all of them. Although the one that I chose did meet almost all the criteria. They had been married for longer than five years. They had adopted another child. They both had college degrees and she was a stay-at-home mom. So those were like the four main points that I had. The other ones were just kind of like, they had to have dogs and (laughs) (laughs) that's like my caseworker said, she was like, a dog though and I was like I mean I have dogs so yeah I mean <laughs> if that's if that's important to you you know <laughs> totally was like, I think you could live without a there's dog. no right or wrong of what's important to you and I think there is yeah. that level of familiarity or like yeah you know, if- it's a level of the level of comfort too you know yeah. so and what's so funny is I got their profile and chose them I think on like a Wednesday Mm -hmm. I told my caseworker, these are who I want, blah, blah, blah. Like normally you have a phone call with them and then, then you meet them face to face. Well, my caseworker called that their caseworker and said, Hey, listen, they've been chosen and she wants to talk to them. And they were like, Oh, we're in town right now. 
uh, we can have lunch on Friday. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, sure, fine. So we did lunch, talked for like two hours. And I, you know, when you meet someone, like you immediately know, I mean, you guys are birth moms, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. The mm -hmm. moment you meet your birth child's family, you know, you're like, yep, these are it. This is it. Yeah. That was the case for me. Was that the case for you, Mathoni? It was. Okay. For me, it was like, even just during the phone call, I was like, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying mm -hmm. to think all the guests we've had, I want to say said they felt either very like yep. comfortable mm -hmm. or confident about their decision yeah. pretty early on. I mean, I'm sure there are birth moms out there who haven't felt that. That's cool that you felt that way though. That you felt like, oh yeah. 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 It's like, it's, it's just like the moment I met them, I just knew, okay, these are, these are the people that are going to adopt, you know, my, yeah. my so we got in the car afterwards and I looked at my caseworker and I said, yep, these are the ones. And she was like, are you sure you don't, you know, you don't want to meet with another couple or anything? And I said, nope, this is it. So we had weekly phone calls um, up until I gave birth. So our weekly phone calls, I always thought we're never going to have anything to talk about. We literally just talked last week and I don't have anything. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm like, I go to work and I come home and I sleep and that's it. Like, I'm not. <laughs> it's not yep. right now. We're it's like, not, uh, I don't know, uh, Susie or Jill <laughs> down the hallway, like just had a baby. Yeah, like, that's about all the updates I've got. Like, we did some March and Crafts today. Like, I painted a picture that looks horrible. Like, that's that's what I did today. Every, every week, I always thought that. And then we'd end up talking for like over an hour, mm -hmm. you know, about family and, and, you know, things like that and expectations, like, you know, about like, what my expectations were as far as like post-placement as well. What was there. that? My expectations were I wanted to have visits like more than once a year. I wanted to have access to like photos all the time, like, you know, as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to have this open communication all the time. And they promised that he was born in April, um, but I had to wait out. 30 days, um, we had to read out the registry so that um, he could, we could do placement and things like that. Right. And for our listeners who may not know, in the state of Texas, uh, if a birth father does not sign relinquishment papers, you know, giving away their rights, once the baby is born, there is a 30-day waiting period where the father can't come forward and claim paternity. If they don't do that, then the baby can go home with uh, the adoptive parents. Usually it's advised that the birth mother waits to sign until that until they're voided out the registry. Um, Megan, in your case, did that, that happen? Did you sign um, once the time was up or did you sign after the 48 hour um, No, actually I signed uh, 48 hours after um, he was born. I think just because in my, in my case, they had reached out to birth father and been somewhat in contact with him and sent him papers for him to sign and then he didn't send them back I think maybe they just thought it's okay that you sign 48 hours after he's born because we know mm -hmm. we know he's not going to come forward he didn't sign the papers we sent him so okay. the chances of him coming forward now is probably like null and void your son was in transitional care for those yeah. 30 days okay yep. did you get to see mm -hmm. him yeah, I got visits uh, two to three times a week, just depending on my work schedule and mm -hmm. transitional care schedule and things like that. And I got to see him for like two to three hours. And it was really nice because um, there was another girl who was living there with me who actually went into labor early. Um, 
and she had her son two days after mine. So we were able to go through almost literally step by step after birth, everything together. So, you know, signing papers and visits and even placement, our placement days are two days apart. We were able to go through that step by step together, which is great. So that's great. So Megan, did the adoptive parents meet your son during that 30 day period or were they in the hospital? No, they were not. Um, I had talked with them um, in in extensive detail, you know, because that's what I thought I wanted at the time was I wanted them to be there when he was born. But now looking back on it, I'm kind of glad that they weren't because that was my time, my 48 hours. Besides the fact that they had a three-year-old at the time that, you know, they had adopted prior um, Mm -hmm. to to my son. So having a three-year-old and having to travel and, and... Plus, you know, labor and delivery is always so up in the air. You never know when he's going to come. Better for them to not until placement. Um, But I did have video chats with them as far as, you know, Skype calls and things like that. Like after he was born, I Skype called them probably a few hours after he was born um, because I had a C-section. So I had to go through all that business. So after I slept, I called them. And announced that, you know, he was born and here's what he looks like, blah, blah, blah. And then every time I had a visit, I would call them, but it would only be for like a five minute phone call. And I just explained to them that, you know, this is my time with him and I don't have very much time. So I don't Mm -hmm. want you to get super accustomed to me calling and having long phone call conversations. I just need to be able to see him and see him growing and, you know, things like that. And so that was nice. Do they seem to be understanding of that, of you needing, you know, yeah. that time with him? Yeah, I think so. Um, most of the time it was just the adoptive mom um, that okay. I was video chatting with because dad was at work. Yeah. But yeah, they were they were super understanding that, you know, it was my time. And th- but I was like, I can call you, you know, once a day or, you know, every couple, you know, and give you updates and things like that. And she said, no, this is fine. You know, we know that he's born and we know that you'll send pictures and videos and things like that. And this time in the hospital is your time. So, you know, we want to honor that and let you have that and let you bond with him and things like that while you can. Did y'all have each other's phone numbers? No. Back when we were going through all this, I had like, I think one of their maybe landlines or something as to like our weekly phone calls. Um, we had an email address that they had set up um, post mm-hmm. or, you know, post placement or pre placement, really. They used it a couple of times post placement as well, but I think it just got to be like too much for them. So they took that away. Then we had Skype um, while we were going through, you know, pre placement and a little bit post placement as well. But about his year birthday, they closed all those accounts. Now we just go through the agency. So like I have to contact my caseworker who has to contact theirs, who contacts them. So now everything is done through the agency. So that's what it kind of looks like now. Um, so after placement, so about 30 days after your yep. son's birth, what yeah. was one placement like? And then what did it look like afterwards? Um, so placement was rough to say mm. the least. To begin with, placement was super, you know, enjoyable and things like that. 
like the first hour or so, it was just chit chat and laughing and exchanging gifts and things like that. Yeah. And then about an hour passes and my caseworker says, okay, do you want to hold him one last time before we go? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it went silent. And there's a picture because there's a lady with the agency that I work for that will come and take um, placement pictures and things like that if the adopted parents want want that. But so she got a picture of me holding my son like right before I started ugly crying. <laughs> Mm. and so it's it's one of the pictures that is up in my apartment and it's one that I take with me wherever I go and it's one that I never change Mm. and so it's like that's literally like the last moment he was mine even though I had already signed my rights away really so then after placement was mm -hmm. the expectations y'all set earlier on of hey you know we want to do visits we want to give updates all the time Um, is that what occurred um no so they basically went 180 with everything they were promising to Mm. basically almost nothing basically the first year or so we had agreed on pictures and like an update every three months six months nine months and then a year and after a year it was photos once a year and a visit so before placement, they had promised, you know, oh, you know, we'll send photos all the time and we'll, you know, Skype and all these things. And then placement came and it was like, no, we're just going to stick with the agreement that, you know, the agency has made with us. What was on that they, agreement? Because I know, yeah. yeah, I know that in my circumstance, there was yeah. a, what do they call it? A contract of the heart or agreement of the heart. Of the heart. Yeah. Contract of the heart. Where yeah. yep. there's this between the birth parents and adoptive parents discuss yep. those expectations. Because to help mitigate yep. this circumstance where expectations are unclear, unmet, yep. that they do this written one. So was the written different from what y'all were verbalizing to each other? Yes. So what they were verbalizing to me was, you know, that the email they were using, you know, place pre-placement and everything like that was something that I could contact them all the time. Like if, if I was having a hard day or something, I just needed a photo or something that I could contact them. Yeah. And that became a null and void thing because they, they closed those accounts a year, maybe even a year before a year. Yeah. And they closed all that. So it was just kind of like a, we promised all these things, but not really. A part of Sorry. me just thinks they were promising all of those things so that I would place with them because they thought that's what I wanted to hear. But hmm. I would have rather them promised, you know, something they could have given. And then if they gave more, that would have been great uh, because they promised so much. I had over the years, I've had to readjust my, you know, expectations and my realities of, you know, what they can give. So that's, you know, but that's something I've always said. If you can't promise it, don't promise it. So what was on the written agreement that was different? Just like what I said. So like three months, six months, nine months, a year. And then after a year. Wait, updates just, or visits? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Updates. Okay. 
At six months, you can have a visit if they so desire, because that's technically when the adoption finalizes and they have to be in, in Texas anyways. So if they so desire to have a visit, you can, but it, they don't have to. And then, then it goes to an update every year and a visit every year until he decides otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then, then it will, whenever he decides he doesn't want to have a visit anymore, then it will just be an update once a year, which is just, they send this really nice shutterfly book, you know, full of photos and things that they've done all year. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. It never has very many words in it. It's literally just like a ton of photos, <laughs> which okay. is okay with me. And have they communicated, you know, throughout the last, you know, over the course of the six years, have they yes. communicated any changes and expectations or has it kind of, have you just kind of had to figure it out? Um, I just kind of had to figure it out myself okay. as far as what they expect. Um, because uh, right before he was a year, I posted a photo of him on my Facebook and it wasn't mm -hmm. even like, uh, like, Oh, here's my son, blah, blah, blah. Like look at all these things. It was just like the cover photo on my Facebook and that was it. And we're not even Facebook friends or anything like that. So they would have had to like look me up on Facebook to see what I'm posting and like everything like that. So I posted a photo and they were not happy with that at all. And they contacted the agency who contacted me, who told me to take it down, which I had already done anyways. It was only up for like maybe a 10 minute span. We've said this before, I think at least two times on other episodes, yeah. how scary it is and easy it is to find yeah. someone on the internet and really oh, yeah. you need very little information and which is crazy yeah, exactly. name is Megan so it's not like yeah. it's like I mean there's a bunch of Megan's out there but that you know you can yeah. find people yeah and it makes me think too that that's something that maybe should be discussed when you talk yeah. about expectations of post-placement adoption yeah. is that yeah. level of privacy because two things one if you know, they want privacy, then, you know, going and I know it's tempting. I, I, I totally get where it would be tempting to go look yeah. up the birth parent or all those things. But if you want that level of respect level and privacy, it should be given yeah. both ways or, or expressed, Hey, I would love to follow you on your social media and see yeah. what you're up to. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I, I just keep thinking of is one, they have every right to not yes. want you to post a picture. Yeah, but was that exp was that expressed? Beforehand? No, that was not. We had never we had never discussed. You know, is it okay for me to post photos or anything like? Which is why I took it down shortly mm -hmm. after I put it up. Anyways, because I didn't ask them if that was okay. Yeah. So I, thought, I would okay, get. I mean, to play devil's um, advocate, to play devil's right. advocate, I totally get where it would make them uncomfortable and. Oh yeah, that. yeah. And but I, that's something yeah. I think agencies maybe. Or and maybe not even just agencies, but for conversations to be had between the adoptive parents and birth parents. Yeah. Now social yep. media is a part of the adoption realm and makes yeah. things a whole lot more complicated. Yeah, it makes it so much more yeah complicated and things like that because they found out that I posted it, contacted the agency who contacted me, which then they took all of my updates away from me basically. So like I was getting these nice like Shutterfly books, like I said. The agency so, or the adoptive parents did? Um, the adoptive parents. They were just sending the photos maybe about 20 to the agency, and I would have to go up to the agency, which is not close to me. 
It's, you know, 30, 45 minute drive with traffic because Texas is dumb and traffic is always horrible to go see these photos, which would take me about 10 minutes to look through. And then I'd have to go home with nothing, you know. You so, couldn't take the photos home? No, I could not take those photos home. So that, 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 it was that way for probably about two years. And how, and so, when did that start? Right after I posted that photo is Which when. Was, how old was your son at that point? Uh, he was a, he was almost a year, maybe, when I posted the okay. photo. And yeah. I have to so, say, I mean, we kind of were already speaking about it, but you just can't hold people to a standard they don't know exists. Like, even if it seems yeah, exactly. common sense, like, why would you post a photo? Yeah. So it stinks that you were held and given a, you know, a consequence, whatever you want to say, for something yeah. that apparently was never articulated to yeah, you. Yeah, it was never discussed. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that's unfortunate. I, I can't imagine, you know, going backwards in that sense, especially if you already had the original expectation of more of an open adoption and now, yep, you know, exactly. here it is. That's, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, so they, that went on for probably two years, I would say. And then right around his third birthday, they said, okay, well, we're going to start sending you, you know, the books again. We're starting to build trust again, and we're hoping that you can keep that and things like that. So now I get that book once a year, which is usually a couple of months after his birthday because they like to include uh, photo uh, photos of his birthday in, that, in the update. And then I see him once a year um, for my visit, which probably won't happen this year because of COVID, but that's okay because I would rather them be – stay at home and safe rather than travel and have to see me and things like that. So that's, yeah. This is all managed through the agency, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's where that semi open. Okay. Yeah. So I don't have any contact with them except through the agency. So I don't have any emails or Skype or any of that that we had pre-placement. I don't have any of that now. So it's just, everything is through the agency. So Megan, what advice would you give to hopeful adoptive parents and even current adoptive parents about setting expectations with birth parents? You know, because you've seen firsthand yes. expectations yeah. made and not met. So yes. what advice do you have? I think my advice to them would be don't promise anything you can't give. Promise what you know you can give. So if you know that you can give a photo, you know, an update once a year and a visit once a year, promise that. And then if you can give more, give more. But don't promise more than you can give because it doesn't just, it's not just you in this picture anymore. It's now the birth mom and her expectations too. And so then she has to readjust her expectations to be less than what you're promising, which is hurtful. And I think in that same, right, um, I think expectant mothers, as they are choosing adoptive parents for their children, should feel empowered to stick by the, what expectations that they want. I think a lot of the times, um, a friend of mine who's a birth mom talking about this the other day you know a lot of times we feel like we're the ones being interviewed where it's kind of the opposite you know like we're trying to find parents for our children and if we have these things that we want in these post 
placement expectations that we have, we should be able to stick by them and not have to be the only ones who are adjusting. Mm -hmm. If the first family we feel is right doesn't meet everything that we want, I think it's okay to say, well, I think I'm going to go ahead and pass and find a different family. Yeah, right. Until we know that, you know, our expectations are going to be met. So yes. And, and may I be the devil's advocate really quick of Mm -hmm. it goes both ways. We try to be careful on this podcast of adoptive parents are not the villains, you know, birth parents aren't, it's not this, you know, good versus evil or anything. And, and I think the same thing where we've, I've actually heard that it's caught and this happened with my mom, who's a birth mom, where birth parents actually end up being the one later down the road. Like, let's say an adoption starts open. They're the ones who, you know, whether it's because they start a family or, you know, they, they have, you know, start going to school is they actually have less time and they're actually unable to do visits and what they had promised. And so I think there's also that real humility and grace that life happens and there's difficult seasons where we can't speak as much or we can't do as many visits. However, I think where your piece of advice is so important and important to all parties is exactly yeah. why you don't promise more than you confidently can give. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Let's start with the bare minimum. And if exactly. this year yeah. we can get more, awesome. But yeah. if we can't, that's life. And if for whatever reason you come to a point where you feel like there needs to be an a adjust- change, an adjustment, yeah. communicate that. Right, yes. exactly. Yeah. Be like, open if- and communicate. Yeah. Like if you start out super open or whatever, and if over the years that just isn't, you know, working out for you because now the kids are in school or you get married or whatever, then openly talk about that and right. say, listen, this just isn't the season in my life right now where I can do all these things and be open and be a part of these things. So we're going to have to adjust it a little bit for now, but we can re, you know, we can talk about it and readjust as life goes on. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, even for me, so, you know, I graduated last spring from college. Well, when you're in college, your time is your time and you can spend it. How, you know, if you go to class, I mean, I was a nerd, so I did go to class, but you know, if you don't want to go to class, you don't have to go to class or how you much you study, like your time is yours. And so I was able to go during the middle of a week and go do yeah. a visit or, uh-huh. you know, I had that flexibility. I didn't have much responsibility. Well, now I'm yeah. starting my job you know, my time is not mine anymore. And I can only do, I can only do weekend visits if I have a visit. I'm getting married and I'm going to eventually hopefully have, you know, a family and all those things. And just naturally that the frequency is going to be. Yeah. 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 So I think it was every season of life, a readjustment is okay or needs to be talked about. Like, is there a readjustment that needs to happen? If not, okay, we can keep it the same. Or right. if there needs to be a readjustment, then okay, we're okay with that. And yeah. in the new season of life, we'll talk about another adjustment that needs to happen. But it's almost I like check-in it- points. There needs to be yeah, right. visits. What Bethany was saying, where you know, if there's a yeah, shift, right. there needs to be communication. Like recently, right. I was speaking with my daughter's parents about. So she started. You can just see her. She's four. And so you can see the gears in her mind, like turning and trying to understand the situation. And so she's getting to the point where even though she's only four, I could, I could see her maybe putting two and two together about birth father. I think it's closer than we realize. And so like, I Mm -hmm. had to have a conversation, Hey, where are y'all at with that? 
Like if she were to ask, what would y'all want me to say? And all that, yep. and, you know, they, they believe in the full transparency with children that there should be no surprise. Yep. And so they actually pr- mention his name every night at prayer along with mine. And so she hasn't asked who that is, um, yeah. but that name is mentioned. And, and so to even say that, be like, Hey, cause if she asked me a question, y'all aren't around, I want to appropriately yeah. answer it. Like yeah. let's check yeah. it. And then, what are those? Yeah. Right. And that's something that we've talked about too. Cause he's six now. He knows, he knows who I am. He knows that I'm his birth mom whatever mm-hmm. that comprehension that is as a six-year-old. Yeah. I mean, he even knew that, you know, as a four-year-old and a five-year-old, what they can comprehend. So, you know, we had to have that conversation at my last visit, like, Hey, I want to know what you have told him and what you haven't, because I don't want to tell him something that you guys haven't told him yes. or that you're not comfortable telling him because I don't want it to come from me. And then he goes home and says, Oh, well, Miss Megan told me this. And now it brings up other issues between yeah. us. I don't want yeah. to step on toes and things like that. Well, so we like, should be respecting how they handle it because yeah. we chose them to parent. And so right. we have to, we entrusted them with parenting, right. which includes right. how to handle the adoption. So it is important exactly. I think, yeah. for birth parents to be kept in the loop. So like you right. said, you don't step on any toes or, right. you know. It's like, I'll say something that, you know, you don't want me to say, or, you know, I know it's like they have another son who's adopted. And so I know that they've already had that conversation with him. Because he's three years older than my son. So, you know, but he knows exactly where he came from and they visited, you know, where he came from and things like that. So, yeah. So they're Um, openly discussing all these things. And it's just like, I just don't want to discuss something or say something now that he's older and is asking questions or is going to ask questions. So, where do you hope your story goes next? I hope that our relationship can keep evolving in a positive way because he's getting older now and could ask for, I mean, because they said it's all up to him as soon as he starts understanding who I am and like all the adoption things as to if I get more visits during the year or if he doesn't want visits at all, that's all up to him. So I'm hoping that our relationship as far as like the adoptive parents and I's relationship keeps evolving in a positive way and we can communicate and have more of an open conversation all the time because he's getting older and I know he'll start asking questions and having questions and I want them to feel like they can come to me if Mm -hmm. he has a question and they don't know the answer they don't know how to answer I hope that they will turn to me and say hey listen he's asked this question and I don't know the answer or how to answer that maybe you have a way of answering it helping us go through that so I'm hoping that our relationship can keep going in a positive way and not a negative way if he starts having more questions and being wanting to be more involved you know me more involved the older he gets the more I think the questions will come and I just want that to be an open door Mm -hmm. and have that open communication as far as our relationship well, it so. sounds, it sounds like y'all's relationship is moving in a yeah. positive direction. And that yeah, I think definitely. if anything, your story echoes the importance of trust and respect yeah. Yeah. and communication. Yeah. And yeah. I wish that that was all, you know, easy earlier on so that it, you know, could have yeah. been a little different in the early days, but yeah. it sounds like y'all have been working out those kinks and it is yeah. moving in a beautiful direction. And it sounds like yeah, you're definitely. open with him and, you know, yeah. There are things that you've mentioned throughout your story that 
they cl- clearly do respect you, you know, yeah. and, and, and have a love and appreciation for you. I hope it can continue to foster in that direction. Oh yeah. Yeah. I do too. Well, Megan, thank you so much for, um, just giving us your time, um, today. Mm-hmm. Like we're so thankful for you. We love your story. We're so um, grateful that you shared it with us and our listeners. And we hope you'll come back again um, for more discussion um, in the future. Yeah, Um, sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, guys, we'll see y'all next week for another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. Bye, Bye. y'all. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.